as it has been our custom to look at the scriptures as we look out basically for God's plans for us for God's character since the goal of redemption and also the goal of creation is relationship then it becomes an obligation that now that we have received redemption our goal should be to explore the God who had brought us to himself after all it's not a masquerade he has to be known and since that is our focus each time we come into the scriptures we have got to labor to see the Son of God and um, basically this evening I want to present God in a dimension that we have not seen before and these descriptions of God is very necessary because it helps us to come to the place of rest and confidence in relating with him that's very necessary we see today that many people believers in court think that the aim of redemption is the blessing they feel that since they have come to know Christ then they should be prosperous materially and because this had been their goal of coming to the Lord they neglected every other vital part or aspect or the essentials of their faith to pursue wealth. They pursue wealth at the expense of all things, at the expense of their peace of mind, at the expense of their health, at the expense of their home, at the expense of their relationship with their family, with their friends. There are people who can do anything and everything to make wealth. In fact, they would not give a damn to compromise their relationship with a friend just for wealth. Now, about three weeks ago, I was actually expecting some money. Then, you know, when the offer came and, you know, I was contemplating on how to damn certain relationships then go for the money but then the Holy Ghost began to make me realize that one of the reasons why he's working on us is to produce out of us the character of God and greed is not the character of God impatience is not the character of God you see the world let me say it this way the greatest world you can command it's not in silver and gold at least to some extent these two uh, resources are valuable even up to now the greatest wealth you can command are intangible i'm telling you they are intangible 
They are in form of good characters, peace of mind, confidence in self, good self-esteem. What would you gain if you actually amass wealth but you broke your home? You eventually amass the wealth or get the wealth but you injured your conscience. And Christ brought this into view when he said, what would it profit you if you gain all the world and yet you lose your soul? And never you forget that that term, soul, is very important. Besides the fact that it refers to your spirit now, which is your real self. But this soul is a conscious being of you and it has to do with a number of things that makes up you it's not your real self but it can't be apart from you because it is what gives you consciousness your soul is your consciousness is your seat of intellect is your center of decision making which is your will or your volition in it seats your emotions and that's where your decisions your feelings your sensations as thoughts so Christ said look it does not worth it if after all you got the wealth but you damage the soul this conscious being and that's life itself because life is consciousness when God made Adam he made him out of the dust of the ground but Adam was not a living soul except God until God breathed in him the breath of life it was when God breathed in the breath of life that man became a living soul. So when Christ talks about losing your soul, he's talking about the living soul. The, the, the living soul there refers to the life of the man itself. Because without the soul, there is no consciousness. Life is consciousness. And consciousness is demonstrated in the soul. Although the real man is a spirit. But then nobody can see your spirit. You can't see it yourself. It is affected by a number of things. It is affected by the word of God. It is affected by the Holy Ghost. By the relationship you have. But then, how much your soul has been influenced or is being influenced by God, by the word of God or by people around you is determined by the responses, the attitude of your soul. So Christ said, look, in your aspirations and pursuits in life, you have got to look out for your soul. And how is this relevant in the study of God? That in your search for wealth, you don't lose the essence of all things. I was going through a book today. Permit me to spare you the name of the author. But the book was really striking. It's titled... I've even forgotten the title. I hope I'll recollect. But one of the short verses, well, they are in verses, that I read actually portrays the wisdom of God in the Ten Commandments. That first, God centers your attention on him 
in that he told you what your priority should be as a man thou shall love the lord thy god not worlds he didn't even start with his commitment to you he started with your own commitment to him so god is not first committed to you as a son because he's your father you are committed to him not because it's only your father your redeemer but because the father that he owns your life and if there's anything you should pursue not even what he wants to hand you but your own work with him you must not touch yourself come with me however busy you are i understand you can be busy especially if you live in in, in, in the part of um lagos that is cosmopolitan you can be busy lagos is very demanding and some other parts of nigeria too but you have got to bear in mind that the most important thing in everything you run after is god and your soul and how do you check whether your soul is, is losing its powerlessness Losing a state of calmness, a state of dependence in the word of God. One, when you begin to lose interest in the word of God. And that, by this I mean, when you begin to pay attention in a little way to God's word. You hardly can study because of your work. You wake very early in the morning. And you come late at night and you don't check the word of God. And finally, when you begin to have such such challenge, you will not even know that something is getting shifted. Until several years or several weeks later, when you begin to battle with evil thoughts, or you begin to have nightmares. So no matter how busy you are, if you don't have time to study the word of God, to meditate the word of God, one day that thing you are pursuing will ground you. Or still, you are going to lose sight of God, lose sight of your vision, check it. If you lose sight of God, invariably, I can bet you you will lose sight of your focus, your core objectives as ordained by God. So we don't pursue God for what we gain. We pursue God because He is worldly. And that is why I'm praying that God will cause a stay amongst the people, especially prophets, men. To begin to show the people the God whom they have come to know. God is not a ghost. It's not a smoke. It's not just an idea. It's not just, just not a concept. He's a real being. He has traits. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, 17, 18. Apostle Paul said it was not a shame of the gospel of Christ. Why? Because it's God's power to save a man. For in it, the righteousness of God, that is who God is, what God expects from you. How God wants to live a life is revealed from faith to faith. That is, from the start of it to the end of it has to do with conviction, not by doing. The goal of God's message in the gospel, the goal of God reaching to mankind through Christ is not to give you money. The goal of God in getting across to us is to show us how we ought to live. For in it, the scripture says, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, from your convictions to your conviction. That is from the beginning or, or your, your from your from the beginning, I mean the exception of your contact to go to the time you will pass into eternal life is going to be based upon your conviction. So in taking much 
out of God, there is a need for consistent yieldedness. Yieldedness. And there is no such yieldedness without the word of God. When you submit to a person, you listen to him. When you submit to a person, you allow his ideology to run you. You like his, 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 his mechanism, his recommendation for you to rule you. Not your own opinions. So you have got to understand this. Continuous yieldedness as a believer. You need it. You've got to give yourself over to God. And how does this happen? Very simple. It happens when you consciously create a time. In the presence of the Father, I tell you. You can't be a good believer. Although you are saved, God still loves you. Nothing changes about His love and commitment to you. But I tell you, you will not maximize God's commitment to you and all that He has put in place for you if you don't personally create time to be with Him. You will never underestimate what a personal time with God will do for you or will give to you. So be wise. Be wise. You can't know God in the congregation. Knowing God is a personal thing. You don't know God by listening to the news. Faith, conviction, comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And like I've told you, Apostle said, the gospel is an exposure of God. For in it, God demonstrates his power to everyone who will be convinced and what's that conviction about? That he had made Christ to suffer for you. And what's the implication of that? So that henceforth you will no longer live for yourself. That God becomes the driving force behind your life. The essence of your drive. You are not just laboring to make ends meet. To be able to pay your bills or put food on the table. These are necessary. But the major game of life is to come and enjoy this father. And I tell you, if I've touched, taxed, handled, and you are using words today and you have not touched God, you are most unfortunate. Funnily, you can be worthy and you don't know God. Knowing God is not going to church, it's not paying big offerings, it's not doing God's works, it's not even good works. Those are good things. But your faith is not complete without all of this. But then I told you, you are still going to be disadvantaged. You are still going to be rude in your soul if you don't know God. Because you are under obligation. I mean, you feel more responsibly to live exactly the way God wanted you to live. As soon as you find out what the righteousness of God is. And actually, you have come to test it because... The, the, the scripture tells us that we are saved by grace, that this grace equates salvation. Grace equates freedom from sin. And what makes grace to equate freedom from sin is that it puts on the inside the God consciousness, the God kind of life, which is called righteousness. That not just that my sins was we are forgiven, but that now I can live as God is. I can live a life without a damn conscience. And because of that, I can go about my works, about my career, about my marriage, 
or in any other circle of influence i belong without any guilt without any distraction without any addiction or characterize you if men are finding it tough to relate with others i no longer have that problem because god is showing me the kind of man i've ought i ought to be or i've now been coming in but then this is the fact of the gospel this is the righteousness of god the right way to live it. but it's not just enough to see that god had made himself known in the gospel that he had not just unveil himself he also showed me who i need to be so i've got to see not just who god is but who he had called me to be and what i need to become like and that is the gospel there's another side where we consider the christ who had done everything we are enjoying in god now for us now let me start from reading From Colossians chapter 1, and from that scriptures, I want you to see how that your life cannot be different from the life and the being of the person who saved you, the person of Jesus Christ. In Colossians chapter 1, we began to see how God saved us through Jesus Christ and saved us so that we can be exactly who He is. He saved us from the corruptions and the problems. I mean, the bondage of sin that had held the world bound and confused. And he began to show us not just what God had done to us, but that this thing is done by a man called Jesus. And he began to show us the traits of this man, that this man is exactly God. Now, if my Savior is exactly God, then it meant that I must be nothing outside who he had become that's the implication that's the implication i must not be anything other than who he is because as he is so i am colossians chapter one hallelujah i'm going to read from verse 12 Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partaker of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of his Son, of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. Now, the person who did this in verse 15 is exposed. He is the image of the invincible God. Now, check verse 14. In whom, in whom, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. And who is this Christ? He's not a ghost. It's not, a, it's not just a superman. He is God himself. He is God manifested. He is God incarnate. And the goal of God is to recast me to be exactly like this Christ. Okay, let me get through the scripture then. i show you something else. In the image of the invincible God. Now, the word image there could also mean the representative of the invisible God. Is God manifested. So, we can trust the credibility of redemption because of the person who did it. 
is not a person struggling to have redemption himself. It is God who created man, who knew the genesis of man's problem, and who alone had the capacity to save man, which he had done in Christ. And that's what we celebrate. But then, this is the freedom we have come into, that now somebody took my offenses so that I can be free. But then, if our focus is on what he had handed over to me without looking at the person who had done that thing for me then there is a problem because i'm going to lose that blessing and i'm going to disregard the person who had done it and maybe i will not understand this intention of doing that so i've got to look at the person who had done this blessing and that's why we are studying god and there's nothing we want to study about god but his consistency his righteousness Never you forget what led me to the scriptures. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 to 18. The gospel is the power of God to everyone that believes, to the Jews first, to the Greek. For in it is the righteousness of God revealed down. The word righteousness there means decay you see God as he is. God in the state he wants us to be. God and his requirement or you can call it the rightful requirement or demands of God from us. So God is not an angry God. God is not a bitter God. God is not just there to hide himself from man and make man to grow in darkness and begin to let them try to find him, in, him out although he knew they can't find him out. No. God had revealed to us what he wants and that is my joy. Once a man discovers this, it becomes more than a mine of gold because your forgiveness your empty group in darkness, your inconsistency and confusion is eliminated because you know what to go for in life. That even if you are confused about the career, I mean the choice of career to pick, or your 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 your, your career pathway, or um the, the kind of man you should marry, uh, where you need to live, uh, which school you need to go, uh, or you have to keep coming with, you have got to keep your eyes on one thing you know, God's righteousness for you. And these are, you can focus on the major. God's requirement is not for you to build a house, to have a gain for employment. These are good, they make life easy. But if after all of this, you never saw God's righteousness, who God is and who he wants to be, you are a failure, complete failure. And that's why we are studying God's righteousness. Now, that scripture says, it is in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. And then it went on to say that, uh, although they knew God, that should be verse 18, they did not recognize him as God, nor do they glorify him, and God gave them to a reprobate heart. Let me go there quickly so that we can begin to see from Colossians chapter 1 as I've started. This will help us to appreciate what Christ has done for us. Hallelujah. Bless God forevermore. Romans chapter 1 from verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Why is God judging men? It's not just judging men out of nepotism or favoritism or discrimination. He's not just trying to victimize mankind, whom he had created. God's wrath 
is revealed. Now, God's words in them is that God had declared the world will become the end of people who do not give regard to that which he has set as man's standards or his standards for man or who chose not to give regard to his requirement to what he demands. And that's one of the expressions of God's love. That he had revealed to us, like Apostle Paul said, the counsel of his what he's doing. So if there's anything you'll find out, should not be the blessing. And it's quite unfortunate today that we are seeking all other things, but we neglect the most essential things. Check out what Christ said in Matthew chapter 6, 33 or 36. Within those scriptures, he said, Look, guys. You've got to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, what is his righteousness? Now, the righteousness means his system of operations or his principles of operations. And every other thing. In other words, Christ made us to realize that to live a life of ease, you've got to follow the principles, God's blueprint for operation. There are blueprints for every facet of life because life is a combination of multiple things. And as you grow in life, you begin to step into other dimensions you, you, you did not have when you were much younger. For instance, when you started out in life, you are just a, a son to a parent and all your focus should be to please your parent. But as time began to go and you begin to grow, you have academic commitments. You have got to excel in your academics. As time went by, you became a working class. You've got to be responsible to your, to your, to, to your boss. As time went by, you became a married person. As time went by, you became a worker in church. As time went by, you began to build complaints, businesses, and relationships. So life is a combination of all of so many things. But in all of this, there is a requirement. And the scriptures look of all this, there is a major requirement. And the major requirement is the righteousness of God. Because the gospel reveals to us that which God is doing, that which God wants, that which God wants to be. And let me tell you, God is not doing anything new. Everything He wants to do, He has done. We are the ones to align ourselves to receive all He had, all He had in mind. He had revived us. He had blessed us. He had put everything in place. But the word is like this because men deviated from God's standards of operation, God's recommendation. So now in the gospel, God began to show us how we ought to live, how we ought to go about life, so we will not be guilty. And that's why when you, when you stand before God and He's judging you today, He will judge you based on what He had revealed and based on what He had communicated to your conscience, even, even though you claim you don't receive the gospel. Although the gospel is the, is the uh, standards. And one thing about the gospel, after you have received the life in Christ, is that you begin to live as you also. Okay, now let's see. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has sown it to them for since the creation of the world is invincible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even its eternal power and Godhead so they are without excuse. But although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God. Now we are they thankful, but became fertile in the mind. Now let me stop there. This is the problem of the world. Men 
know that what they are set out for, what they seek is vanity. They know they are not right and some of these people are actually guilty that they feel that they are disqualified of God. But that you know that you are disqualified of God will not even still justify you before God. So what justifies you is to turn on the side of Christ and pull behind him and call him the savior because we are accepted not because we are good people not because we are perfect not because we are bad we have not found out and we are unable to find out what god wants for us and that's why he expressed christ so christ revealed to us that which god wants he wants us to live rightly as he is he wants us to demonstrate him he wants us to be in his image like christ was in his image but this is not possible until we see him who became the visible manifestation so christ became the savior of the not because he died alone but because he is the representation of God for mankind he came to demonstrate God and since the goal of God is to making mankind like himself then it becomes necessary that you look at Christ to become who God wants to become so you cannot write out Christ in becoming God's intention for you so Christ is the pattern So when Colossians began to tell us that look, he is the image of the invisible God, we begin to see what righteousness means. That righteousness is not just God trying to demand from us laws that we cannot honor or abide by. But righteousness is the manifestation of who God is, is the image of God. Spelled out in traits and characters and nature. This place calls it his eternal attributes or the truths of God, or that which may be known of God, is the nature of God revealed in Christ. So how do you receive this nature? How do you live? Now, you know, and this nature has to do with living. You know, uh, let me show you a scriptures. I'm going to go back to that um, Colossians chapter 1 and maybe 1 Peter chapter 3, where Christ is said to be that when he was revived, he didn't revile back, so we have to live this way. So the goal of redemption is to live certain way. We are received and accepted just as we are. But not just to be as we are, but to be as God is. Okay, now let me show you a scripture. Uh, it flashed now and left. Okay, now I recollect. Apostle Paul began to show us how men were justified or were able to walk with God or attain a state of peace with God, a state of... um perfection that they live such that they know that they have done nothing wrong and they are living accurately as God wants them to live and say look in those days when the law was the basis of God's dealing and justification of mankind um, they so live such that they keep the law and apostle said look the man who do at those laws live by those laws so in the the, the the idea of the law is not just the course of conduct as well but the idea is that to make you live certain way is to alter your natural being to becoming who god wants to be that's the idea of the law and the scripture made us to understand that the law was given to criminals lawbreakers and really in all the generation we have more of idolaters as a matter of fact israelites i mean the hebrews had lived in egypt for 430 years in the land that was given to idolatry the neighboring nations were given to the literal. The only living God was the God of the Jews. So all the laws that God gave Moses was contrary to every other law that exists that time. Well, there was no law that time but commitment to deities and a respect of their rituals and demands. 
So the Lord God gave to the Jews became a deep bolt. I mean, the first of his kind because there is none of such of his kind. The whole nations of the earth was full of evil, full of corruption, full of bloodshedding, full of wars, full of selfishness and all kinds of evil that had characterized man from the time of the fall. So the law of Moses evidently must have been received from a divine source, the God of love, who wants man to live rightly. And Paul said, look, anyone who takes his life on that law lives by them. That's what I want to show you. But then he said, now there is another law. Not by the do and do, just the law of believing. And once you can believe in what that law seeks to communicate, then you are altered to becoming the best, the best person God wants you to become. Now, I read from Romans chapter 10. I'm going to read from verse 5. Let me start from verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Now, check the word for righteousness. That is for living right. Instead of following the endless laws of Moses, although those laws were given by God, although those ones who live by those laws were saved, but now when you believe in Christ, it saves you to scoring the endless law you cannot even keep to details. Because if you keep 99% of the law and you failed in 1%, then you are, you are guilty of all. So why don't you see him? Who is the image? You know, it's just like somebody trying to um, show you the image of, let's say, an elephant from a book. And try to tell you so much about the trait of an elephant. Then suddenly somebody came around with an elephant, let down the elephant from his trunk and asked you to take a view or gave you an opportunity to stay with the elephant for two or three weeks. You know you are going to get more about the elephant than the one in the book. That's what God is doing. God gave them the book, the letter, to read about who he is and who he wants them to become. That was the dispensation of the law. But then when Christ came, he became the manifestation of what was in the book. That whoever looks at the manifestation of of the real substance then he is freed and is even empowered to live better than the person who's called the book than seeing the person who's the substance of the book so christ is the end of the law for righteousness to live in right for everyone who believes verse 5 for moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law the man who does those things shall live by them that is, if you are doing it, it's not just what you do at a life uh, at a particular time, it's what you live by, shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith who speaks in this way, do not say in your heart what we are saying into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or what we descend into the apse, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is nearly in your mouth and in your heart. That, the, that is the word of faith which we preach. Glory be to God in the highest. Glory be to God. So all the laws are now expressed in the gospel. Pause and look. The righteousness of the law demands that you have to know the laws. Then you have to do it. But this one, which is the law of faith, the righteousness of faith, is, it, it, it is contained in Christ that when you listen to the gospel and you believe it, you are made 
to be able to live by the law. And that is the simplicity of the gospel. I don't labor to attain. I only believe. Hallelujah. If thou believe in the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ and confess that God raised him from the dead, that is the solution. That is how you live rightly. That's the start point. But the goal of this is for righteousness. It's not just the confession and you begin to live your life as you ought or as you like. It's not just the confession. You came into God for one thing to be made right. You have been made right, you have been received. But then now that you are received, you have got to demonstrate, I mean, deplore. So what is righteousness? Righteousness is God's requirement from you. Righteousness is the manifestation of the invisible God. Righteousness is bringing at to our reach that which He wants us to become so that we can eventually become it. Now, go back to Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, we go back to verse 15. He is the invisible image of God. The firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and are on earth. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him, and is before all things, and in him all things consist, and is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the facts born from the dead, and in all things he may have the preeminence, for it pleased. The Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on the earth or things in heaven, having made peace through his blood of his cross. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is the gospel reviewed, and this is the intention of God. And this Christ revealed to us. Who is this Christ who had died for us? It was not just um, one misfortune guy who became a victim. Or who was victimized by the Roman government? No, that man you called Jesus Christ was actually God. That's what the scripture is telling us. He came to represent God. He said, He's before all things, man. As a matter of fact, He's the creator of all things. And in Him, everything there was that was created and everything there is was contained. In Him consists all things. A way of saying that everything that a man struggles to get, everything that a man seeks to have in order to have a conscience free of guilt of an offense, in order to live a life that is free of guilt, free of condemnation, free of um, evils, free of wickedness, free of hatred, is found in Him. In Him all things contained. Whether they be thrones, whether they be kingdoms, everything in the world is contained in Him. So why are you running about? So God's requirement and standard for you is Christ. is the image of God. Romans chapter 8 tells us that those who he foreknew, that is those whom he has saved, he has predestinated that they may be conformed to the image of his son. So God is making, is modeling, is patterning, is fashioning men in the order of Christ. And who is this Christ? Christ is God. So God is making me to be a God in the world. Like he told Moses, he said, look Moses, I will send you to Pharaoh. You will be a God to Pharaoh and your brother is going to be a mouthpiece. So God is making us God in this world. He's representative. So God had not changed his scheme. What he intended in making Adam the governor of the world on his behalf is what he's still doing now. And he's doing that through Christ. So who is Christ? He's the image of the invincible God. The firstborn of all creation. That is, he existed before all things. 
So he's a, he, he knows the beginning, the genesis of all, all the problem of problems of mankind. And he alone has the capability to, to, to put an end to it. So he's before all things, and in him all things contained. For by him all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions and principalities and powers. All things were created through him and for him, and is before all things, and him all things consist. Now check the word, through him and for him. In other words, if all things were created through him and for him, it means that your life is to be for him, not for you. Your business is not just to make money, it's for him. And for him in the sense that you are to use whatever procedure you have to proclaim God, just as I'm using my tools here. For him to make him known, to replenish the earth, to subdue the earth, and to imprint his image, imprint his likeness, imprint his personality and pictures on everybody that comes in contact with you. That is the goal of redemption, not just the confession, not just the blessing. And these are more valuable than the substantial material things you are running after. Because you can get all of this, I didn't get God. And if you get all of those, you didn't get God, you, 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 are, you, are, you are done forever. Nobody will be done because he's poor. Nobody will be done because he's jobless. Nobody will be done because he's violent. Nobody will be done because um, he does not have a, a large circle of influence or he does not have build a, 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 a mega city or a mega business or a mega congregation or whatever you, uh, you, you, you could think about. But then you are going to be done because you never stepped into God, what God had called you to have. Is the image of the invisible God. I name all things consist. So we can begin to see the credibility of Christ. He is the savior of the world. Now the last scriptures I will show you is the goal of redemption. Now I'm going to read from first uh, Peter. And then you have got to see that the goal of redemption is to make you like Christ. Is to make exactly who he is. Exactly who he is. Even in this world. Hallelujah. As it has been accustomed to look at the scriptures as we look out basically for God's plans for us, for God's character, since the goal of redemption and also the goal of creation, its relationship, then becomes an obligation that now that we have received redemption, our goal should be to explore the God who had brought us to himself. After all, it's not a masquerade. He has to be known. And since that is our focus, each time we come into the scriptures, we have got to labor to see the Son of God. And um, basically, this evening, I want to present God in a dimension that we have not seen before and these descriptions of God is very necessary because it helps 
us to come to the place of rest and confidence in relating with Him. That's very necessary. We see today that many people, believers in court, think that the aim of redemption is the blessing. They feel that since they have come to know Christ, then they should be prosperous materially. And because this had been their goal of coming to the Lord, they neglected every other vital part or aspect or the essentials of their faith to pursue wealth. They pursue wealth at the expense of all things. At the expense of their peace of mind, at the expense of their health, at the expense of their home, at the expense of their relationship with their family, with their friends. There are people who can do anything and everything to make wealth. In fact, they would not give a damn to compromise their relationship with a friend just for wealth. Now, about three weeks ago, I was actually expecting some money. Then, you know, when the offer came and, you know, I was contemplating on how to damn certain relationships then go for the money but then the Holy Ghost began to make me realize that one of the reasons why he's working on us is to produce out of us the character of God and greed is not the character of God impatience is not the character of God you see the world let me say it this way the greatest world you can command, it's not in silver and gold, at least to some extent. These two uh, resources are valuable even up to now. The greatest wealth you can command are intangible. I'm telling you, they are intangible. They are in form of good characters, peace of mind, confidence in self, good self-esteem. What would you gain if you actually amass wealth but you broke your home? You eventually amass the wealth or get the wealth but you injured your conscience. And Christ brought this into view when he said, What would it profit you if you gain all the world? And yet you lose your soul. And never you forget that that term, soul, is very important. Besides the fact that it refers to your spirit now, which is your real self. But that this soul is a conscious being of you. And it has to do with a number of things that makes up you. It's not your real self, but it can't be apart from you because it is what gives you consciousness your soul is your consciousness is your seat of intellect is your center of decision making which is your will or your volition in it seats your emotions 
And that's where your decisions, your feelings, your sensations are taught. So Christ said, look, it does not worth it if after all you got the wealth, but you damage the soul, this conscious being. And that's life itself, because life is consciousness. When God made Adam, he made him out of the dust of the ground. But Adam was not a living soul except God until God breathed in him, the breath of life. It was when God breathed in the breath of life that man became a living soul. So when Christ talks about losing your soul, he's talking about the living soul. The, the, the living soul there refers to the life of the man itself. Because without the soul, there is no consciousness. Life is consciousness. And consciousness is demonstrated in the soul. Although the real man is a spirit. But then nobody can see your spirit. You can't see it yourself. It is affected by a number of things. It is affected by the word of God. It is affected by the Holy Ghost. By the relationship you have. But then how much your soul has been influenced or is being influenced by God, by the word of God or by people around you is determined by the responses, the attitude of your soul. So Christ said, look, in your aspirations and pursuits in life, you have got to look out for your soul. And how is this relevant in the study of God? That in your search for wealth, you don't lose the essence of all things. I was going through a book today, Permit Me to Spare You, the name of the author. But the book was really striking. It's titled, I've even forgotten the title. I hope I recollect. But one of the short verses, well, they are in verses, that I read actually portrays the wisdom of God in the Ten Commandments. That first, God centers your attention on Him. In that, He told you what your priority should be as a man. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, not worlds. He didn't even start with His commitment to you. He started with your own commitment to Him. So God is not first committed to you as a son because he's your father. You are committed to him not because it's only your father, your redeemer, but because of the father that he owns your life. And if there's anything you should pursue, not even what he wants to earn you, but your own work with him, you must not touch yourself. Come what may. However busy you are, I understand you can be busy, especially if you live in, 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 in the part of um, Lagos that is cosmopolitan. You can be busy. Lagos is very demanding and some other parts of Nigeria too. But you have got to bear in mind that the most important thing in everything you run after is God and your soul. You check whether your soul is, is losing its powerlessness, losing its state of calmness, its state of dependence in the word of God. 
one when you begin to lose interest in the word of god and that by this i mean when you begin to pay attention in a little way to god's word you hardly can study because of your work you wake very early in the morning and you come late at night and you don't check the word of god and funnily when you begin to have such such challenge you will not even know that something is getting shift until several years or several weeks later when you begin to battle with evil thoughts or you begin to have nightmares so no matter how busy you are if you don't have time to study the word of god to meditate the word of god one day that thing you are pursuing will ground you or still if you are going to lose sight of God, lose sight of your vision. Check it. If you lose sight of God, invariably, I can bet you, you will lose sight of your focus, your core objectives as ordained by God. So we don't pursue God for what we gain. We pursue God because He is world. And that is why I'm praying that God will cause a stay amongst the people, especially prophets, men. To begin to show the people the God whom they have come to know. God is not a ghost. It's not a smoke. It's not just an idea. It's not just, just not a concept. He's a real being. He has traits. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, 17, 18. Apostle Paul said it was not a shame of the gospel of Christ. Why? Because it's God's power to save a man. For in it, the righteousness of God, that is who God is, what God expects from you. How God wants to live a life is revealed from faith to faith. That is, from the start of it to the end of it has to do with conviction, not by doing. The goal of God's message in the gospel, the goal of God reaching to mankind through Christ is not to give you money. The goal of God in getting across to us is to show us how we ought to live. For in it, the scripture says, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, from your convictions to your conviction. That is from the beginning, or, or your, your, from, your, from the beginning, I mean the exception of your contact, you go to the time you will pass into eternal life is going to be based on, on your conviction. So, in taking much out of God, there is a need for consistent yieldedness yieldedness and there's no such yieldedness without the word of god when you submit to a person you listen to him when you submit a person you allow his ideology to run you are like is 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 mechanism is recommendation for you to rule you not your own opinions So you have got to understand this. Continuous yieldedness as a believer. You need it. You've got to give yourself over to God. And how does this happen? Very simple. It happens when you consciously create a time. In the presence of the Father, I tell you. You can't be a good believer. Although you are saved, God still loves you. Nothing changes about his love and commitment to you but i tell you you will not maximize god's commitment to you and all that he had put in place for you if you don't personally create time to be with him you will never underestimate what a personal time with god will do for you or will give to you
So be wise. Be wise. You can't know God in the congregation. Knowing God is a personal thing. You don't know God by listening to the news. Faith, convictions, comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And like I've told you, Apostle said, the gospel is an exposure of God. For in it, God demonstrates his power. So everyone will be convinced. And what's that conviction about? That he had made Christ to suffer for you. And what's the implication of that? So that henceforth, you will no longer live for yourself. That God becomes the driving force behind your life. The essence of your drive. You are not just laboring to make ends meet, to be able to pay your bills or put food on the table. These are necessary. But the major game of life is to come and enjoy this father. And I tell you, if I've touched, taxed, handled, and you are using words today and you have not touched God, you are most unfortunate. Funnily, you can be worthy and you don't know God. Knowing God is not going to church, it's not paying big offerings, it's not doing God's works, it's not even good works. Those are good things. But your faith is not complete without all of this. But then I told you, you are still going to be disadvantaged. You are still going to be ruding your soul if you don't know God. Because you are under obligation, I mean, you feel more responsibility to live exactly the way God wanted you to live as soon as you find out what the righteousness of God is. And actually, you have come to test it because the, the, the scripture tells us that we are saved by grace, that this grace equates salvation. Grace equates freedom from sin. And what makes grace to equate freedom from sin is that it puts on the inside the God consciousness, the God kind of life, which is called righteousness. That not just that my sins was we are forgiven, but that now I can live as God is. I can live a life without a damn conscience. And because of that, I can go about my works, about my career, about my marriage, or in any other circle of influence I belong without any guilt, without any distraction, without any addiction or characterize you. If men are finding it tough to relate with others, I no longer have that problem because God is showing me the kind of man I've ought, I ought to be or I've now been coming in. But then, this is the fact of the gospel. This is the righteousness of God, the right way to live. But it's not just enough to see that God had made himself known in the gospel that he had not just unveiled himself, he also showed me who I need to be. So I've got to see not just who God is, but who he had called me to be and what I need to become like. And that is the gospel. There's another side where we consider the Christ who had done everything. We are enjoying in God now for us. Now, let me start from reading From Colossians chapter 1, and from that scriptures, I want you to see how that your life cannot be different from the life and the being of the person who saved you, the person of Jesus Christ. In Colossians chapter 1, we began to see how God saved us through Jesus Christ 
and saved us so that we can be exactly who he is he saved us from the corruptions and the problems i mean the bondage of sin that had held the world bound and confused and he began to show us not just what god had done to us but that this thing is done by a man called jesus and he began to show us the traits of this man that this man is exactly god now if my savior is exactly god then it meant that i must be nothing outside who he had become that's the implication that's the implication I must not be anything other than who he is because as he is so I am Colossians chapter 1 hallelujah I'm going to read from verse 12 giving thanks to the father who has qualified us to be partaker of the inheritance of the saints in the light he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of his son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sin now the person who did this in verse 15 is exposed he is the image of the invincible god now check verse 14 in whom in who in christ we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sin and who is this christ he's not a ghost it's not a it's not just a superman he is god himself he is god manifested he is god incarnate and the goal of god is to recast me to be exactly like this christ okay let me get through the scripture then i show you something else in the image of the invincible god now the word image there could also mean the representative of the invisible god is god manifested so we can trust the credibility of redemption because of the person who did it it's not a person struggling to have redemption himself it is god who created man who knew the genesis of man's problem and who alone had the capacity to save man which he had done in christ and that's what we celebrate but then this is the freedom we have come into that now somebody took my offenses so that i can be free but then if our focus is on what he had handed over to me without looking at the person who had done that thing for me then there is a problem because i'm going to lose that blessing and i'm going to disregard the person who had done it and maybe i will not understand this intention of doing that so i've got to look at the person who had done this blessing and that's why we are studying God. And it's not the one to study about God, but his consistency, his righteousness. Never you forget what led me to the scriptures. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 to 18. The gospel is the power of God to everyone that believes, to the Jews first, to the Greek. For in it is the righteousness of God revealed down. The word righteousness there means decay in it. God as he is. God in the state he wants us to be. God and his requirement, or you can call it the rightful requirement or demands of God from us. So God is not an angry God. God is not a bitter God. God is not just there to hide himself from man and make man to grow in darkness and begin to let them try to find him, in, him out, although he knew they can't find him out. No. 
God had revealed to us what he wants. And that is my joy. Once a man discovers this, it becomes more than a mine of gold. Because your forginess, your empty grope in darkness, your inconsistency and confusion is eliminated because you know what to go for in life. That even if you are confused about the career, I mean the choice of career to pick, or your 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 your, your career pathway, or um the, the kind of man you should marry, uh, where you need to live, uh, which school you need to go, uh, or you have to keep coming with, you have got to keep your eyes on one thing you know, God's righteousness for you. And these are you can focus on the major. God's requirement is not for you to build a house, to have a gainful employment. These are good, they make life easy. But if after all of this you never saw God's righteousness, who God is and who He wants you to be, you are a failure, complete failure. And that's why we are studying God's righteousness. Now, that scripture says, it is in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. And then it went on to say that, uh, although they knew God, that should be verse 18, they did not recognize him as God, nor did they glorify him, and God gave them to a reprobate heart. Let me go there quickly so that we can begin to see from Colossians chapter 1 as I've started. This will help us to appreciate what Christ has done for us. Hallelujah. Bless God forevermore. Romans chapter 1 from verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Why is God judging men? He's not just judging men out of nepotism or favoritism or discrimination. He's not just trying to victimize mankind whom he had created. God's wrath is revealed. Now, God's wrath in them is that God had declared the world will become the end of people who do not give regard to that which he has set as man's standards or his standards for man or who chose not to give regard to his requirement to what he demands. And that's one of the expressions of God's law. That he had revealed to us, like Apostle Paul said, the counsel of his what he's doing. So if there's anything you'll find out, should not be the blessing. And it's quite unfortunate today that we are seeking all other things, but we neglect the most essential things. Check out what Christ said in Matthew chapter 6, 33 or 36. Within those scriptures, he said, Look, guys, you've got to seek for the kingdom of God and his righteousness now what is this righteousness now the righteousness means his system of operations or his principles of operations and every other thing in other words Christ made us to realize that to live a life of ease you've got to follow the principles God's blueprint for operation there are blueprints for every facet of life because life is a combination of multiple things and as you grow in life, you begin to step into other dimensions you, you, you did not have when you were much younger. For instance, when you started out in life, you are just a, a son to a parent and all your focus should be to please your parents. But as time began to go and you begin to grow, you have academic commitments. You have got to excel in your academics. 
as time went by, you became a working class, you got to be responsible to your, to your, to your boss. As time went by, you became a married person. As time went by, you became a worker in church. As time went by, you began to build complaints, businesses, and relationships. So life is a combination of all of so many things. But in all of this, there is a requirement. And the scriptures look of all this, there is the major requirement. And the major requirement is the righteousness of God. Because the gospel reveals to us that which God is doing, that which God wants, that which God wants to be. And let me tell you, God is not doing anything new. Everything he wants to do are done. We are the ones to align ourselves to receive all he had, all he had in mind. He had revived us, he had blessed us, he had put everything in place. But the word is like this because men deviated from God's standards of operation, God's recommendation. So now in the gospel, God began to show us how we ought to live, how we ought to go about life. So we will not be guilty. And that's why when you, when you stand before God and he's judging you today, he will judge you based on what he had revealed and based on what he had communicated to your conscience. Even, even though you claim you don't receive the gospel. Although the gospel is the is the uh, standards, and one thing about the gospel after you have received the life in Christ is that you begin to live as you also. Okay, now let's see. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because. What may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has sown it to them. For since the creation of the world, its invincible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even its eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. But although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God. Now we are they thankful, but became fertile in the mind. Now let me stop there. This is the problem of the world. Men know that what they are set out for, what they seek is vanity. They know they are not right. And some of these people are actually guilty that they feel that they are disqualified of God. But that you know that you are disqualified of God will not even still justify you before God. So what justifies you is to turn on the side of Christ. And pull behind him and call him the savior because we are accepted, not because we are good people, not because we are perfect, not because we are bad. We have not found out and we are unable to find out what God wants for us. And that was why he expressed Christ. So Christ revealed to us that which God wants. He wants us to live rightly as he is. He wants us to demonstrate him. He wants us to be in his image, like Christ was in his image. But this is not possible until we see him who became the visible manifestation. So Christ became the savior of the world not because he died alone because he is the representation of God for mankind he came to demonstrate God and since the goal of God is to making mankind like himself then it becomes necessary that you look at Christ to become who God wants to become so you cannot write out Christ in becoming God's intention for you so Christ is the pattern So when Colossians began to tell us that look, he is the image of the invisible God, we begin to see what righteousness means. That righteousness is not just God trying to demand from us laws that we cannot honor or abide by. But righteousness is the manifestation of who God is, is the image of God. 
spelled out in traits and characters and nature. This place calls it his eternal attributes or the truths of God or that which may be known of God is the nature of God revealed in Christ. So how do you receive this nature? How do you live? Now, you know, and this nature has to do with living. You know, uh, let me show you a scriptures. I'm going to go back to that um, Colossians chapter 1 and maybe 1 Peter chapter 3 where Christ is said to be that when he was revived, he didn't revile back. So we have to live this way. So the goal of redemption is to live certain way. We are received and accepted just as we are. But not just to be as we are, but to be as God is. Okay, now let me show you a scripture. Uh, it flashed now and left. Okay, now I recollect. Apostle Paul began to show us how men were justified or were able to walk with God or attain a state of peace with God, a state of um, perfection that they live such that they know that they have done nothing wrong and they are living accurately as God wants them to live. And say, look, in those days when the law was the basis of God's dealing and justification of mankind, um, they so live such that they keep the law. And Apostle said, look, the man who do at those laws, live by those laws. So, in the, the, the idea of the law is not just the course of conduct as well, but the idea is that to make you live certain way is to alter your natural being to becoming who God wants to be. That's the idea of the law. And the scripture made us to understand that the law was given to criminals, lawbreakers. And really, in all that generation, we have more of idolaters. As a matter of fact, Israelites, I mean the Hebrews, had lived in Egypt for 430 years in the land that was given to idolatry. The neighboring nations were given to idolatry. The only living God was the God of the Jews. So all the laws that God gave Moses was contrary to every other law that exists that time. Well, there was no law that time but commitment to deities and a respect of their rituals and demands. So the law God gave to the Jews became a deep bolt. I mean, the fate of his kind because there is none of such of his kind. The whole nations of the earth was full of evil, full of corruption, full of bloodshedding, full of wars, full of selfishness and all kinds of evil that had characterized the man from the time of the fall. So the law of Moses evidently must have been received from a divine source, the God of love, who wants man to live rightly. And Paul said, look, anyone who takes his life on that law lives by them. That's what I want to show you. But then he said, now there is another law. Not by the do and do, just the law of believing. And once you can believe in what that law seeks to communicate, then you are altered to becoming the best, the best person God wants you to become. Now, I read from Romans chapter 10. I'm going to read from verse 5. Let me start from verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Now, check the word for righteousness. That is for living right. Instead of following the endless laws of Moses, although those laws were given by God, although those ones who live by those laws were saved. But now, when you believe in Christ, it saves you to scoring the endless law you cannot even keep to details. Because if you keep 99% of the law and you failed in 1%, then you are, you are guilty of all. So, why don't you see him? Who is the image? You know, it's just like somebody trying to. Um, 
show you the image of let's say an elephant from a book and try to tell you so much about the truth of an elephant then suddenly somebody came around with an elephant let down the elephant from his truck and asked you to take a view or gave you an opportunity to stay with the elephant for two or three weeks you know you are going to get more about the elephant than the one in the book that's what god is doing god gave them the book the letter to read about who he is and who he wants them to become that was the dispensation of the law but then when christ came he became the manifestation of what was in the book that whoever looks at the manifestation of of the real substance then he is freed and is even empowered to live better than the person who's called the book that seeing the person who is the substance of the book so christ is the end of the law for righteousness to live in right for everyone who believes verse 5 for moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law the man who does those things shall live by them that is, if you are doing it, it's not just what you do at the life uh, at a particular time, it's what you live by, shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith who speaks in this way, do not say in your heart what we are saying into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or what we descend into the apse, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is nearly in your mouth and in your heart. That the, that is the word of faith which we preach. Glory be to God in the highest. Glory be to God. So all the laws are now expressed in the gospel. Pause and look. The righteousness of the law demands that you have to know the laws. Then you have to do it. But this one, which is the law of faith, the righteousness of faith, is, it, it, it is contained in Christ that when you listen to the gospel and you believe it, you are made to be able to live by the law. And that is the simplicity of the gospel. I don't labor to attain. I only believe. Hallelujah. If thou believe in and have the Lord Jesus Christ and confess that God raised him from the dead, that is the solution. That is how you live rightly. That's the start point. But the goal of this is for righteousness. It's not just the confession and you begin to live your life as you ought or as you like. It's not just the confession. You came into God for one thing to be made right. You have been made right, you have been received. But then now that you are received, you have got to demonstrate, I mean, deplore. So what is righteousness? Righteousness is God's requirement from you. Righteousness is the manifestation of the invisible God. Righteousness is bringing at to our reach that which He wants us to become, so that we can eventually become it. Now go back to Colossians. Colossians chapter one. We go back to verse fifteen. He is the invisible image of God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and are on earth. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him, and is before all things, and in him all things consist, and is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the facts born from the dead, and in all things he may have the preeminence, for it pleased 
the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on the earth or things in heaven, having made peace through his blood of his cross. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is the gospel reviewed, and this is the intention of God. And this Christ revealed to us. Who is this Christ who had died for us? It was not just uh, one misfortune guy who became a victim or who was victimized by the Roman government. No, that man you called Jesus Christ was actually God. That's what the scripture is telling us. He came to represent God. He said he's before all things. But as a matter of fact, he's the creator of all things. And in him, everything there, there was, that was created and everything there is was contained. In him consists all things. A way of saying that everything that a man struggles to get, everything that a man seeks to have in order to have a conscience free of guilt of an offense, in order to live a life that is free of guilt, free of condemnation, free of um, evils, free of wickedness, free of hatred, is found in him. In him all things contained. Whether they be thrones, whether they be kingdoms, everything in the world is contained in him. So why are you running about? So God's requirement and standard for you is Christ. He's the image of God. Romans chapter 8 tells us that those who he foreknew, that is those whom he has saved, he has predestinated that they may be conformed to the image of his son. So God is making, is modeling, is patterning, is fashioning men in the order of Christ. And who is this Christ? Christ is God. So God is making me to be a God in the world. Like he told Moses, he said, look Moses, I will send you to Pharaoh. You will be a God to Pharaoh and your brother is going to be a mouthpiece. So God is making us God in this world. He's representative. So God had not changed his scheme. What he intended in making Adam the governor of the world on his behalf is what he's still doing now. And he's doing that through Christ. So who is Christ? He's the image of the invincible God. The firstborn of all creation. That is, he existed before all things. So he's a, he, he knows the beginning, the genesis of all, all the problem of problems of mankind. And he alone has the capability to, to, to put in an end to it. So he's before all things and in him all things contained. For by him all things we are created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities and powers. All things we are created through him and for him, and is before all things, and him all things consist. Now check the word, through him and for him. In other words, if all things we are created through him and for him, meant that your life is to be for him, not for you. Your business is not just to make money, it's for him. And for him in the sense that you are to use whatever procedure you have to proclaim God just as I'm using my tools here. For him to make him known, to replenish the earth, to subdue the earth, and to imprint his image, imprint his likeness, imprint his personality and pictures on everybody that comes in contact with you. That is the goal of redemption, not just the confession, not just the blessing. And these are more valuable than the substantial material things you are running after. Because you can get all of this, I didn't get God. And if you get all of those, you didn't get God, you, 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 are, you are done forever. Nobody will be done because he's poor. Nobody will be done because he's jobless. Nobody will be done because he's violent. Nobody will be done because um, he does not have a, a large circle of influence or he does not have build a, 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 a mega city or a mega business or a mega congregation or whatever you, 
you, you, you could think about. But then you are going to be done because you never stepped into God, what God had called you to have. It's the image of the invisible God. I name all things consist. So we can begin to see the credibility of Christ. He's the savior of the world. Now, the last scriptures I will show you is the goal of redemption. Now, I'm going to read from first uh, Peter. And then you have got to see that the goal of redemption is to make you like Christ. Is to make you exactly who he is. Exactly who he is. Even in this world. Hallelujah. 